living in the Dharma is allowing oneself to be that vulnerable and really feel connection with the rest of the universe um, as we should um, and not be disconnected and not be always trying to, to build something around you. Practice um, allows us to dismantle that and see what's really there and be what's really there. All of the things that we buy, um, all of the things that we think we need to have, the way our lives are supposed to look, all of those things are not bad things. But if you rely on those things to hold that definition of who you think we are, that ego, then you can't get past the delusion. I can't get past the delusion. Kimyo Atkinson began practicing Zen meditation in 1991. She was ordained by Reverend Tejo Munich in 2007, received Dharma transmission in 2015, and completed Suisse in 2016. She undertook her monastic training in both Japan and the United States. Kimyo served as head of practice at Great Tree Zen Women's Temple and volunteered with the Sangha at Avery Mitchell Correctional Institute from 2015 to 2020. She served on the board of the Soto Zen Buddhist Association since 2017 and helped to draft that organization's standards for formal monastic practice. You are listening to Sit, Breathe, Bow, a podcast for practitioners. Each week, leading Buddhist teachers share life experiences and insights to help guide your meditation practice, as well as your life off of the cushion. I'm your host, Ian Whitemar. This podcast is sponsored by the Quanum Online Sangha, a virtual Zen practice community of the International Quantum School of Zen. Members of the Online Sangha meditate together, study with teachers, and participate in the workshops and courses to develop their practice. Listeners of this podcast are invited to try a free month of training, which includes live Q&A interviews with Zen teachers, discounts on webinars and online classes, and access to a private community where students can discuss their practice and receive guidance. To access your free month of training, simply visit quantumzenonline.org and click on the free trial membership button on the homepage. Sumio, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about your journey in terms of why you decided to uh, undertake monastic training. And I, you know, I sort of abridged your your bio at the beginning because you've trained at a, a number of places in Japan, many of which I was just worried I would mispronounce. But you've done quite a bit of training in Japan and here in the United States as monastic. And I'm just wondering if you could tell us what brought you to to do such intensive training versus, you know, just having a, a Zen, just a, a lay, lay person's Zen practice. What was the calling, really? Well, I don't know that I can uh, give an exact answer for that, um, other than it's basically what felt right for me. Um, I spent um, 20 years as a worker in public service. I worked for social services for 20 years. And my practice um, began 
um, during that time as a lay, lay practitioner. Um, I think I've always felt some kind of affinity for spiritual practice, um, religious practice uh, since, since I was young. Um, although I didn't grow up in a very um, religious household, you know, we didn't go to church, you know, all week and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think I had an affinity for it, you know, since younger, and I don't know where that comes from. Uh, well, where it really started for me in, in terms of seeking this sort of practice was with um, starting Zen practice way back in the 90s with my teacher, Tejo Munich. Um, and having practiced with her for so many years, you know, basically through my 30s, something in me felt like it was a, a, a path to, that I needed to um, pursue. Uh, and eventually I ended up taking vows ordaining ordaining in 2007. That being said, the lay practice that I had, um, I started with a group in Charlotte, North Carolina called the Charlotte Zen Meditation Society um, way back in the 90s. Uh, and we had a pretty, pretty deep lay practice. We had started doing um, retreats and things like that um, for lay people um, with Tejo who introduced us to other other teachers, including some teachers from the quantum um, lineage. I can't recall the man's name right now, sorry. Um, Shoha Kokomora and the Zen tradition and, and so on. And so uh, we had a pretty deep lay practice um, and a pretty disciplined lay practice for a long time, with that group. And when that sort of ended, because there were some um, issues that came up for the group, people came and came and went, and so on. Um, I really was seeking uh, a deep kind of communal practice, and so I ordained with Tejo, not really knowing what that meant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then, uh, and and I was still working, and so I I was not completely a monastic um, it, at that time, like so many, you know, in this culture, we can't just walk away from our jobs and responsibilities, you know, um, based on going to do spiritual practice because you still got to make the car payment and all that kind of stuff. So for um, three years after I, actually, I ordained, um, I was still basically living um, a lay life um, with going I had some requirements from my teacher to come to all the sessions, which are monthly um, meditation retreats in the Zen tradition, um, and also, you know, a, a few other things that she had me do. But it was me just going to those retreats and coming home uh, afterwards. So I wasn't really a monastic, even though I had ordained and taken vows to leave home. Um, plus, I had, you know, all kinds of debt and the same kind of debt that other people have. Um, car payment, school loans, uh, <laughs> all those things that you have to pay for. You, have to, you can't just walk away from. Uh, and I also had a job that, um, you know, was public service. You know, you don't just 
I believe, um, even though um, there were some issues with that. But yeah, and, and, and at a certain point, once I'd taken that ordination, I didn't feel I was doing enough. Uh, I wanted to go deeper. I wanted to, I felt that um, the things that I needed to learn in terms of dealing with other beings, um, I, I had no way of, no opportunity to really open myself to that um, with the hustle and bustle. And that's not true of everyone. You know, some of us are um, amazingly stubborn. And so it takes a long time, you know, in lay practice to get to that. And I felt some kind of, I, I, I think I felt some kind of need to, to get closer to practice, to really focus on practice, which I couldn't do as a lay person. Um, then that's my own, that was my own um, situation. Am I going in the right direction for you? Cause I no, yeah, there. no, no, this is, Do no, this is. Talk forever. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so did you ultimately decide to leave that job? And then is that what happened or how did that? Cause I, th I think a lot of people probably feel called to, to this, you know, they feel a calling to the religious life for whatever reason. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, Sometimes it's really hard to let go. Mm -hmm. And this happens, I think, even in the smallest levels with the practice of just, you know, what, who am I or what is this? Mm. With those sort of inward questions about letting go, but then also how do you let go? Because you know that, you know, that there's this spiritual life that's really attracting you mm -hmm. or for whatever reason which it may not even be clear like i don't know i just feel like there's something there that mm -hmm. I, so you i'm assuming that you eventually left the job um i did yeah it's there's, there's that attachment to what you know mm -hmm. even if it's some even if you're in some place that you don't are not particularly comfortable um, in some place that you really want to change, um, you know, it's the devil, you know. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, truly. And also, you know, in this, I started practice relatively late in, in life. Most um, Zen monastic sort of tradition, you know, it, maybe people start in other, in other cultures, people start a little bit younger. Um, with monastic tradition and you know i started after i had some responsibilities that i had to take care of and just like other people because some people have children you know some people have jobs mm -hmm. and, and and professions that you know where people are counting on them or, or they're they're responsible for a lot um so you can't just walk away and that's understandable um at the point where i left my job you know i had just finished my grandmother um, had recently passed away um, when I ordained. Um, and she, I had been taking care of her for a while because she had Alzheimer's. So I was a caretaker mm. for her. Um, I worked for a social service agency and, you know, um, and also, you know, I had the regular financial responsibilities that other people had. Um, what happened for me was that um, my teacher, oh, 
I'm grateful to her for this because I, I don't think I would have been able to jump into it if I had known. <laughs> but she never really explained to me anything about um, the requirements for ordination in this tradition. And she's particularly, um, uh, she's pretty traditional in her, in her way, in her teaching and in the way that she, in the path that she um, sends us down as, as, as ordained people. Um, and so she never told me about monastic life. She never told me that there was a requirement to do what's called ango or practice periods, which are like 90 days <laughs> of practice. Yes. Oh, she didn't tell <laughs> she didn't you didn't tell that. Anything about that. You know, she just one day called me and she said, there's this ango going on, 90 days practice period down in California. It's being, you know, um, it's through the soda shoes, so it's official, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I have no idea what the heck you're talking about. Um, and it happened to be in a year when, you know, I, I could not do that. Nobody can walk away from a job for 90 days. You know, I work for the right. government. You get your two weeks vacation. That's about it. Otherwise, you quit. Um, right. So she told me that, and I'm like, I can't do that. You know, I have bills to pay, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I get the car, blah, blah, blah. And so um, we went back and forth with that. She wasn't really adamant about it at that point. Um, but I turned that down and I didn't get to participate in that that year. Um, and then the next thing came up and the next, I think was the next year. She told me, this one is coming. And if you don't do this, <laughs> you know, this one's coming up and it's in Japan of all places. Um, and it's 90 days and I got the application. And you got, I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. And so something happened where I feel like I heard an ultimatum in her voice and she might not have intended that, but she said, if you don't do this, they're going to take away your something, something. I'm like, I didn't know I had a something, something certification. You know, Leah, they'll take it away. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you still practice. Me a little more. So, um, but. I heard some kind of ultimatum in that. And it might have been my own projection of an ultimatum mm -hmm. or whatever, because um, she's really not like that. But uh, I heard it. And some told me, get this together. And somehow I managed to pay off a whole bunch of debt that I had, and I had for years. Within, you know, two years, I had it, I had it paid off, you know, in order to do this ango. And other things started, you know, falling into place. It just started to fall into place. And it just meant that I just felt it meant that I was supposed to do this. And I did. And I quit my job. Um, I was not yet ready to um, retire. I didn't have the requir requirements to retire because I was only in my, in my 40s, even though I'd been there 20 years. But I picked my 20-year date almost to the, to the day that I started um, with that um, job. And it happened. And it was scary. It was frightening because it was absolutely different. And I had no idea what I was stepping into <laughs> on this end, you know, hindsight. I had no idea what I was stepping into. <laughs> and Tejo Munich, did not tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe you wouldn't have done it. I, if she I told know, you. I know. And uh, grateful for that. 
grateful yeah. for that throwing being thrown into the water and, and swim, told to swim. Uh, right. And it happened. And since then, my life has been changed. It, it's not. It's not been the horror that I thought it would be. Um, not having a quote-unquote proper job, not having um, a, a livelihood, um, you know, something to earn money outside of the, the, the temple, um, allowing myself to be taken care of by the Sangha and the universe, basically, um, and serving that Sangha um, and, and, and doing that sort of work that made me feel more connected than I ever did in 20 years of social service work. Um, wow. In a, in a, in a strange way. Um, so it's not something that I can explain as to why I did it. Um, and it, it seems to have worked out so far. Um, I mean, it's just work. It's just work for me in that, in that way. And I have had to, you know, renounce things and go without a lot of stuff that I didn't, that I thought in the, in, in the previous life, I thought I needed, um, which I found I don't need because that attachment, you know, you don't know how to not attach until you, until it's it's gone you know you don't know how much is really just delusion until you let it go um and that's how it works it's worked for me um i'm not saying this is for everyone uh i don't mean that i don't think that people should get up and walk away from their family or children you know because i really didn't you know i took care of the responsibilities as i could and yeah, that's expected, and that's what you have to do to to walk away in there, and and that way is to cause pain um, for yourself and others. But you know, there's ways to, there are ways to um, find that a path that is right for you. This happened to be the one that has been right for me for the past ten years. Um, and I'm grateful for it. Wow. Yeah, weird, it's, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we talk about these things like faith and courage when they come to the practice. Uh, and very often it's like when you sit down on the cushion, faith and courage uh, to kind of see through the delusion or, you know, however that works for people, right? Mm. But to have faith and courage that there's this life that was sitting there waiting for you. And like so many of us, you know, it's like, I don't want to leave home. I don't want to leave home. It's yeah. so hard. <laughs> um, and also it sounded like Tejo was the type of, person who uh maybe she was encouraging and or <laughs> adamant mm -hmm. but also it doesn't sound like she's the type of person that was just going to let you drop so i i don't know her but um 
just by the way the way you referred to her to have faith that the sangha is going to catch you especially when we look around at society and be like does anybody have me <laughs> does anybody support me out here mm-hmm. you know when you look at other human beings you're like am i going to be cared for it's such a big leap of faith mm-hmm. and also you know faith that the dharma is real or you know whatever it is mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. That is true. I mean, we are supported by, you know, the world around us. Um, I think we're misled into being competitive and things like that, um, that we don't need other people, um, that we can do it all on our own, but nobody's doing anything on their own, you know. Absolutely Um, not. Nothing comes to you without somebody else's effort. Yeah. When I say that I was supported by the Sangha, it's not that I go with any expectation they're going to de- donate money to me or buy me anything or give me anything. Um, but to, you know, we had a, we, at, at Great Tree, we have a very small sangha. Uh, we always, you know, are always scrambling to keep the lights on, um, like many other Dharma centers out there. Um, but to be able to receive what you receive. And to understand that that is enough, that can be enough. You know, you know, there are times when, you know, I, 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 I received a stipend, but there were times when they didn't have that stipend. Guess what? I ate anyway. I it was mm-hmm. warm anyway. I had a roof over my head anyway. And that's all that you really need, you know, as an individual for yourself. Um, and it's not that I felt that I was entitled to that. I was entitled to nothing. I'm entitled to nothing. But you have to be able to receive. You have to be able to give what you can give. Um, with that, that's through the work of your um, using your body to work. You know, for the for the temple, um, giving your time to people. Um, you know, it's, it's, and it's not about reciprocity at all. Um, in terms of the, 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 um, the, the quote unquote work that I do or that, uh, whatever it is that I can get. Um, the Buddha walked, you know, all over India, you know, with a begging bowl in his hand and lived for, you know, 80 years, um, preaching the Dharma, offering the Dharma to everyone that came. And without fear of hunger, without fear of illness, without fear of lack, you know, um, sleeping under the trees, you know. Uh, And I had to go into this understanding that that's what I was um, doing um, and understanding that, you know, they're, they're, I'm not going to have what I want. Um, there'll be times when I don't have what I think I need um, and that that was going to be all right. Um, 
And it has been. It really has been. And I can say, you know, I don't like to say I'm happier now or whatever, um, but my life is more um, full now than it ever was when I had a paycheck. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. so for, and that works for me. And I'm not saying that that's what anybody else should do because we all have different paths. Um, what I would really like is for those, those who have the same, you know, similar feelings to what I have, you know, who want to explore a path, um, outside of, you know, the consumering culture that we have, um, in order to, open their um, selves to the Dharma, that other people have that opportunity as well. And I feel very lucky that I have um, been able to do this, that I have been, been supported in doing this. You know, you, you use the word consuming, and in another one of your talks, you, I mean, this is also an issue that I think about often, but in another one of your talks, you talked about um, how sometimes we come to the to the Dharma even uh, as consumers, um, and, and I, th- you know, maybe we do that because it's a reflection of this uh, culture that we live in that really is driving us to seek some sort of satisfaction through consumption, or um, or maybe we think that the Dharma is going to do something for us. Um, you know, change it, make our lives happy, make our lives better. Um, and I'm wondering how your relationship changed as you uh, really entered the way um, from that. You know, we 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 get debt from lots of things like school and you know, et cetera. Just living in the world, like the world just sort of collects <laughs> collects on our bodies and shows up as a as a debt somehow. But just curious how entering the way helped you look at that consuming that we do as human beings, even in the spiritual realm. Mm. Well, I think what I probably meant is that in, and in, and this is, this might be cultural too, um, we kind of think we can um, get something that's going to fix us or make us feel better, um, all of that. And I think that's what, what's, what we're kind of learned from um, culturally, you know, mm-hmm. advertising, all of that. All it's about, you know, buy this and it will make you feel better. It will make you feel whole. Yeah. It will make you feel this way, feel that. Um, and so when I think back to when I first started practicing, um, I, I set meditation because it made me feel better. It made me feel calmer. It made me feel like I could handle something, you know, that day from sitting for, you know, what I used to do about 15 minutes before going to work. Let me able to handle it. Um, and so I consumed that practice in that way. Um, 
And as I got deeper into that practice, realizing that, you know, that feeling better, that feeling calmer was a letting go and of, of a little bit of something, you know, in that 15 minutes um, that allowed me to feel for a few more minutes, um, a little more balanced, whatever. And I got curious as to what that, that really was um, that I was feeling. Um, and if you practice long enough, um, you'll end up hitting that wall where that feeling better, you know, turns out to you, you realize the delusion of that feeling better. Um, and I think that's where practice begins. I know that at a certain point, I stopped practicing for about a year and a half. I couldn't meditate for a year and a half because I kept hitting that wall. Um, Interesting. And I can't describe to you what that wall is. It's different, I'm sure, for everybody. But it was a wall that was very painful, very painful to get to. Um, And when I did start practicing again, um, you know, there were more walls. They're always going to be walls, and, you know, and and you know, you, and and part of practice is slamming against that wall of your delusion again and again and again, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and some of us knuckleheads like me, you know, body <laughs> <laughs> slammed every few every few months. But uh, yeah. yeah, there is a masochist side to this. <laughs> But once, but you understand that you go through that, and that that wall is of your own making, and that delusion yeah. is of your own making, and you have to see that, and you have to be able to, you know, and you have to be um, willing to to look at that and look at, take that hard look, um, and and let go um, of whatever it is that you're holding on to, um, and that takes time. That takes many years and years and years of practice to do um, for, for me. Um, so anyway, um, in other ways of consuming, you know, in, in a very more worldly way, um, I used to be a clothes horse. I had tons of clothes. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I, you know, last year I was still throwing away clothes that I was wearing 20 years ago at the, uh, you know, at social services for work. Um, and lots of things, you know, um, and lots of, of, of boxes that I put myself in that I say, I need this, I must do this, I must look like this, I must have this, um, in order to preserve this identity of who I am, um, in order to feel, um, to feel like a, a real person, like a real adult, whatever, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. All those things, mm-hmm. um, and it—it's it, sometimes it's just as simple as um, I don't want to. It's not really destroying identity. Identity is an uh, is an interesting thing. It's it's really hard. It's really because of who I am. You know, I'm a I'm a African American woman in America, <laughs> still in America, um, and you know, identity and protecting the self, holding this identity um, with some dignity and, you know, in spite of, you know, the, the difficulties um, 
is a big part of, of being an African woman in this culture. Um, to have to let that go in order to be fully who I am, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit difficult, you know, um, because that makes me vulnerable. But part of living in the Dharma is allowing oneself to be that vulnerable, allowing oneself to put away those, um, that armor, um, and really feel connection with the rest of the universe um, as we should um, and not be disconnected and not be always um, trying to, to build something around you, um, but to, to dismantle that practice, I think, in my view, um, allows us to dismantle that and see what's really there and be what's really there, what's really here. So all of the things that we buy, um, all of the things that we think we need to have, the way our lives are supposed to look, who's supposed to be in our lives, you know, the relationships we're supposed to have, all of those things are not bad things. But if you rely on those things to hold that definition um, of who, we are, who you think we are, that ego, um, that identity, then you can't get past the delusion. I can't get past the delusion. Yeah. Well, and I think, and this is sort of just kind of riffing off of what you just said, you know, as a white man, I don't have to live within a culture that is sort of actively trying to tear down my personhood. Right. It's, it's doing the opposite, actually. Yeah. It's sort of reinforcing all sorts of concepts of like, you know, my value and my benefit. And so part of the delusion that I am, you know, wrestling with is this false self that is supported. But to be someone who lives within a culture that is so I mean, the white supremacist culture of this nation that is so aggressively trying to bring uh, people, well, particularly black people and indigenous people, but all people of color, like um, to destroy that identity and then to, to engage in this practice that also said we got to see through that as well. It's got, I mean, I. It's hard for, I can't actually imagine the sort of twin practice of wanting to support the ego just so you can live safely within this white supremacist culture and then also spiritually work the Dharma to encounter the true self. Like both of those practices seem hard and then to have to do them at the same time. Well, um, I'm not sure I'm trying to do them at the same time. I'm just trying to, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to work, I'm trying to work with the Dharma. Um, right. Because anything that I build to protect, um, myself mm -hmm. is, is a delusion. <laughs> um, I have to let go of, um, of some of that, um, in the, in the, in the, um, ultra real sense. The daily reality, you know, um, the way w the world works, 
you know, that's there and I have to deal with that. But beyond that, you know, uh, in, I have to, uh, learn to really do the Dharma. <laughs> you know, it's hard to, de- it's hard to describe. And, and, and sometimes I'm not sure I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm putting this right. It's not two practices. It's the one practice of really finding the true reality um, of things. So it's difficult to even describe what it is I think I'm doing. <laughs> it's assuming I'm doing it. Um, but the, 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 pra- the practice means um, understanding that whatever identity I build is a falsehood. That if I'm really um, practicing the Dharma, none of that matters, you know. Um, and I wouldn't have to do that if the rest of the universe, or the rest of the world, other beings um, were willing to drop their um, versions of my reality. Um, to see what's really here, um, to see really this being fully um, instead of overlaying ideas, uh, concepts on me or anyone else, you know, um, to fully see who's here as, as I have to really fully see who, who is in front of me, um, whether it's um, a white man or not. It's the same thing, you know, who is fully, to fully really see each other um, in this and is not other. And that's the, that's, that's the um, delusion is what I'm trying to do, uh, what I'm trying to do. And that includes allowing that for myself to not um, have these sort of expectations and ideas about myself you know, that, that limits me, um, that, um, simply puts me in a, in a, in, in a box, um, with walls that, you know, separate me from the rest of the universe, rest of the world, from all other beings. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sit, Breathe, Bow. I hope you found the conversation with Chimio Atkinson encouraging and helpful for your practice. You can find out more by visiting the website for the Great Tree Zen Women's Temple at greattreetemple.org, and I'll include a link to the temple in the show notes. A special thanks to our sponsor, the Quanum Online Sangha. Listeners of Sit, Breathe, Bow are invited to try a free month of training with the Online Sangha. To access your free month, simply visit quantumzenonline.org and click on the free trial membership button on the homepage. And please consider subscribing and leaving a review of this podcast. It helps introduce us to new listeners. I'm your host, Ian Whitemar, and I hope that you'll join me again next week. Mm-hmm.